Good morning. It's good to have the snow right with us for our morning Bible service on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. It still can't, I still want to say that second half. It's, that's just in, ingrained in there, right? But uh, soon we'll be back doing two times. It, it'll be no time at all. But this morning I want us to think about promises from God. Can you think of a promise from God? Is, is there one that just pops into your mind automatically? Well, we think of it as a child of God. We think of the big one. We think about heaven. We think about an everlasting life if we're faithful. We think about that promise. Well, God has got several promises, and he's made several promises throughout the Bible. And, you know, if, if we looked at every one of them, we'd be still sitting here talking till next Sunday morning, and I'm not going to do that. But I'm, I've got a, a couple picked out just, uh, just for uh, examples' sake. Of course, many of us know these examples and remember them by heart. And they apply to us today just as much as they did when they was given. So we think about promises. So we, if you will turn with me to, oh, wrong, wrong bookmark, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> Beloved, I now write to you, this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by this same word, are reserved for fire until the, the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that they should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, let's stop right there. So we think about the promise of God. So we read there, and uh, Peter tells them that scoffers is going to come. Folks is going to come by, and this, things have changed. It's still going right along. Here it's been 2,022 plus years, and ain't nothing changed. He hasn't come back. No, he hasn't come back yet. There is a day reserved, time reserved, and an hour reserved that Christ is coming back. Don't take that lightly. Don't think that's not going to happen. Don't think it's, it's not reserved because God has promised it. We think about those promises, right? I think about one earlier in the Bible. So we kind of, like I said, I gave you a little bit of a sneak peek back in Genesis. So I keep your finger there in 2 Peter chapter 2 because we're going to turn there a little bit later. So we turn back. I got too many bookmarks. There we go. All right, so we turn back to Noah. We turn back to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. We see something's promised of God, and we can still see the outcome of that promise until this day. The outcome of the flood. 
or the uh, recompenses of the flood or the results of the flood. God destroying people. God destroying air-breathing creatures because of one significant thing. All right, so we see this one significant thing. We've got some more reading to do. Genesis chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 1. Now it came to pass when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Uh-oh. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, they were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Well, let's look right there for the next few minutes. The Lord saw the wickedness of man. We can see that today. We think of the word wicked, we think of someone who's just horrible. We think of someone who is bad. We think of tyrants. We think of genocidal folks who just kill hundreds of thousands of people. We think of those types of people when we think of wicked. Guess what God sees when he sees wicked? Someone who is outside of him. Someone who is a liar. Someone who is a drunkard. Someone who is an abuser of people. We see him as murderers. All these types of person are wicked in the eyes of God. You know what that word derives? It's sin. S-I-N. If you look very carefully at the origination of that word sin, it means to miss the mark. That's all that it means. God has set us up a target. He has given us something to do and it's to be obedient to his word as people. You notice what he said in verse 3. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Now he's talking about on the earth. He knew that people was going to stray away. He knew that in the beginning. That's why he orchestrated his plan of salvation for you and I before anything was even created. So we see the men of God joining themselves with the daughters of man. Right, so we see people turning away from God. And God notices this change and he sees the hearts and intents and the thoughts of man wicked. Not only just wicked, but evil continually. Notice what it says continually in verse 5. That the every intent on the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Folks had turned away from God. I want us to take that thought into our mind and remember it about turning away from God, turning our backs into him and walking away as people. I didn't say as children, not yet. I'm talking about people who have yet even come to God today. But here we see folks who once was with God and then slowly gotten away, slowly had forgotten 
and now they're going their own way. And God's seen that as wicked continually, evil continually. In verse 6, we need to take notice of verse 6. We see God being sorrowful. The word in the King James is repentant, means sorry. God was sorry that he made mankind because of what they had become, what they had turned into. We see in the beginning when God created everything, he seen that it was good. What happened? People forgot about God. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. It repented God that he had made man. Folks, he was sorrowful because he had seen what they had done, what they had become. They, they had forgotten about him. They was no longer walking with him. So the Lord said in verse 7, and this is a promise. This promise was fulfilled, by the way. At this time, it, it was a promise. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. The wickedness of man destroyed the animals as well. We see God destroying his air-breathing creatures because of wickedness. He says, I'm going to destroy it all. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. But then thankfully, you and I are still here. If he was going to fulfill that promise right then and there, we wouldn't be here. We'd still be with him. <coughs> Not to ever set foot upon this earth. Not to live out our lives. And in verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Through Noah, God seen you and I serving him right here in 2022. If and only if we do not have an evil heart or a wicked mind. We need to cast off those evil works of darkness because you see those evil works of darkness, God giving that promise says, I'm going to flood the earth. And he tells Noah a little bit later in verses 13 and 14, the end of all flesh is coming, go make yourself an ark, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to destroy, I'm going to destroy the flesh. I'm going to destroy the birds. I'm going to destroy the beast. And I'm going to destroy anything that breathes air and the creeping things. So guess what happens? In our remembrance of those Old Testament lessons and those, those uh, Sunday school Bible classes about Noah building that ark, he built it according to God's instructions. He did not waver, by the way, and that was hard work. This wasn't no little boat, y'all. This wasn't no little dinghy. This wasn't no little flat-bottom boat that he was building. It was a city. It was massive. And he built it according to God's instructions. And a little side note on that right there too is if you, if you really study the building of the ark, Noah did not prepare a way to shut the door. It was so massive that there's no way he could shut that door. It was that big. 
And plus, whoever put a door in the side of the boat anyway? Right? You gotta you gotta load things up into it, and there's, there's a big hole in the side of the boat. God shut the door. That's what I said. That's really a significant part of the, the building of the ark. When he built this ark, don't you know uh, uh, Noah sitting there looking at this thing? Well, it'll never float. There's big old holes in the side of it. Yet and still he obeyed God's instructions. God closed the door. Another promise. But here, one, this one example that I will destroy the earth. He did it. He did it. And our world was changed from then on. I almost said forever. It'll be forever changed at this next one. It was changed. Our climates changed. Our geography changed. Because of the wickedness of men. We need to look within ourselves in this first example. Because we're going to get a little bit deeper in the second promise of our examples this morning. So we see God giving a promise. I'm going to destroy the earth by water because of the wickedness of men. Alright, so let's turn back to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 6. So we see the forgetfulness of men back in Genesis. We see the forgetfulness of people and God's word. They forgot it. They went their own way. We see that today, by the way. People not caring about God, giving up on him altogether, and forgetting him. Those acts will be remembered one day, as each and every one of us will give account for the things we have done, whether good and bad. So we see verse 8. When Peter writes this of chapter 3, he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. We think about that. That's, that's, what's Peter talking about? He's, he's double talking. He's back and forth. What that says is God's eternal. His day is like a thousand years. And this thousand years is like one day. The best way I can explain that verse about remembering the time when it relates to God, keep in mind he's eternal. When he sees time, he sees it like looking through a paper towel roller. That's the way he sees it. He sees it from the beginning to the end, and he sees the middle all at the same time. He's timeless. He was before time was even created. So on to this next promise. So we see a timeless God giving a promise of destroying the earth with water and he performed it. Whenever Noah prepared that ark and he got it prepared for all those animals two by two to be transported, he done it. The heavens opened the floodgates rose. Well, the floodgates opened and the water rose. And don't you think? Well, keep in mind whenever uh, Noah was preparing an ark, he was teaching to the people. He was trying to encourage them, turn away from your wicked ways. Stop doing these things. Stop. Just stop. They didn't hear it to him. They thought he was a crazy person. He's building an ark out here where there's no water. 
It's never rained. We've never had any flood. He's a crazy person. That's the way they see it. Don't you know when those waters started rising and it was right at the tippy toes beating at the side of that ark. Let us in. Let us in. Can't get in. God closed the door. There ain't no opening it back up. Don't you think they was thinking, what have we done? What have we done? There's his first promise. Let's look at the second one. And it's right there in 2 Peter, chapter 3, starting in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will, burn, will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Do you think that's a promise? Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, that is a promise. That is Christ's second return. We're going to look, dig a little bit deeper of that in Revelation. Boy, I want to put that S on there so bad. We're going to look at that in Revelation. So when we think about God's promise, this, this, this second one. So we see the, the earth destroyed with water. If something's flooded, you could pretty much fix it. Right? Something's kind of burned. You can kind of fix it. We're not talking about a kind of burned. If you dig into that verse very, very carefully about elements melting. I like to use the example of firewood. How many of y'all have burned firewood? I've burned firewood before, right? You put your accelerator on there and it catches fire and it burns up. What do you got left? Ashes. You have ashes. That's those elements whenever you applied heat. Change the properties of the wood to ashes. The ashes is burnt wood. Right? The elements just change. You didn't melt. You didn't, you didn't destroy anything. You just changed the properties of it. We hear and we see the elements melting. How hot do you think that is? Phosphorus is pretty hot. It, it, it's pretty hot. But it still just changes elements. We see God destroying everything. There's nothing left to stay back to. The works of the earth will be burned up. The earth itself, both heavens, this heaven that we see, the heavens that... The stars are in, will both be gone. There'll be nothing left to come to. I want to clarify on that. There's a lot of folks who believe that Christ is going to come back for his second reign here upon this earth. That is not going to happen. His second reign is in heaven. His second venturing is in heaven where he gives the keys to the kingdom to the Father when his works is finished. When we all stand before God, pure, whole, and justified, get to see that act when Christ hands the keys to the kingdom over to the Father. Could you imagine seeing that? I'd love to see that. That would be wonderful to know that Christ's job is finished. His work is completed. I don't know if the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when you think about that, but mine does. To know that he has completed his job and all that are, who is ever going to be faithful unto him are there with him for an eternity. This second promise is those ever so clear. Just as it was to those wicked men. Just as it was to Noah. Just as it was to Lot and so forth. And all those promises that we've been given. This hasn't happened yet. 
it's coming. It is coming. I want you to be clear about your situation when this day comes. Whether you're in the grave or you're remaining. Because there will be two instances. We've been told by the scriptures that some are going to remain whenever Christ comes back. Many of us who are faithful are already in the grave. Many of us have loved ones who have gone on to their reward. They're, they're in the grave in Christ. They're waiting for him, his return. But unfortunately, the other end of that spectrum, there's a lot of folks in that grave who are not ready. It's, it's too late for them, but they are not ready. When I say not ready, they have not come to Christ. They have not adhered to God's word. They have not followed his instructions. Nor have they even thought about being faithful to him. And that number is staggering. I want you to look within yourselves. Whenever Christ comes back and he fulfills this second promise, look at verse 11 very carefully. Since we know this promise, with the elements themselves will melt with a fervent heat, and everything in it is going to be burned up, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What that is saying is, why not come to God? Why not come to God through His Son right now? Because if you don't, we're going to read in this next, next five minutes, I've run out of time, next five minutes of Revelation. So turn there with me to Revelation. Chapter 21, starting in verse 7. We've got a little bit of a sneak peek, sneak peek in verse 8. But let's look at verse 7 first. Verse 7 is for those who adhere to God. Those who listen to His Word. Those who came to Him. Those who are obedient to His Word until death. We find that again in Revelation 2.10. He who overcomes. You think about someone who has overcome already. I think about Jesus Christ. I think about the things that He has overcome. He has overcome the world. He has overcome sin. He has even overcome death. He who overcomes, future tense, shall inherit all things. Again, future tense. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Did you not hear what he just said? He who overcomes, in a matter of speaking, will be here with me in heaven. Where Christ Golan went on to prepare a place for us. Remember what he told to his disciples as he was departing? I go on to prepare a place for you. For there are many mansions. There's much room. If it were not so, I would have told you so. Now then verse 8. We see the world. We see those who are not coming to God. We see those living out their lives according to themselves, not according to the knowledge of God's word and not applying it to their lives. All in the same boat. Verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So with that being said, 
Turn back over to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. I know a lot of folks who, well, I've been burned before. That lake of fire ain't so bad. Okay. Okay. How many of us like the devil? How many of us actually like the thoughts of being in the presence of Satan? Uh, no. How about spending eternity with him? Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will, be for, they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And in verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. In verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of Fire. Spending an eternity with Satan. Tormented day and night over and over continuously. I don't know about you, but that terrifies me. To know if I sin once, if I sin once unrepented, I will my book my name will be taken out of the book of life. Same goes with you. When we sin, when we fall short, if we do not repent. We will be cast out or cast into this lake of fire. Cast out of uh, judgment scene here and depart from me. That's sad. That is sad. Terrifying sad. So I want you to look within yourselves. We see God's promises, right? We see the first one being fulfilled to the degree, to every jot and tittle. We see God saying, I'm going to destroy flesh. I'm going to destroy the beast. I'm going to destroy the creeping things, even the birds of the air because of the wickedness of men. We see this echo. We see the echo because of the wickedness of, in all actuality, one being. One being. You know who that one being is? Satan. Think if Satan had never walked into the garden. Think if that serpent walked. Think if Satan never crawled into that garden, that serpent. Think if he'd have never done that. How different of a place this would be. There'd be no sin. There'd be no death. It'd be totally different. The wickedness of men and their hearts evil continually. We can see that today, unfortunately. We can see that the way that the world is moving. We can see that being accepted in society. You and I can't accept those things. If you think you can, you might need to go dive into Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. Because those deserving of death, if you condone those things, will be deserving of death just as well. So I want you to look within yourself. We see God's promise of destroying the earth with water, which was repaired, and those eight souls continued to uh, profit in the earth and multiplying the earth. And then we see this second one. The second one that's going to change the face of the earth forever. There's that word. Because it's going to be gone. What matter of persons ought you to be in holy conduct, in godliness? Do you need to come to God this morning being rest assured that this promise is true? He will fulfill it. He will abide by it and he is going to do it. It is coming. Again, I can't tell you when, but we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. I want you to look within yourselves. Know that God promises something else. 
He promises everlasting life. We learned that in Revelation 2.10. Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Do you need to be faithful this morning? Or re-faithful, that is. Have you taken that short walk with Satan? And need repentance. Turn away from those sins and those iniquities because that lake of fire awaits you if you do not. Do you find yourself outside of Christ? Do you find yourself needing His blood to wash your sins away? If you're listening to this message and it has encouraged you to come to Him, turn away from your sins, and start living your life according to God's Word, let this, let this thought prick you. Christ died for your sins. So you do not have to spend that eternity of the lake of fire. He done that for you. He done that for me. He done that for those slapping him in the face, spitting in his face, those nails into his flesh, into that wood. He died for their sins to be remitted. So why don't we come to him? Why don't we get right in his eyes? Do you need to get right? Why don't we do so as we stand as we sing the song of invitation?